0: And welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are back in the club. <laughs> no, we're not gonna say that. <laughs> we are back. We're back here at the Logan Blackman Show studios. We are ready to get started on this Wednesday edition, of Logan Blackman Show. I'm in a lot better mood today than what I was when we recorded a show after the playoff game in January. But with that being said, let's go over some of the housekeeping items before we get into the day show. Make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course have a podcast and Spotify. Twitter you can find me at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is BlackmanLogan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show One. YouTube and Facebook just search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you follow and subscribe on both. Leave a few likes. Subscribe. Just watch a few videos. Leave the likes there as well. Haven't posted a video in a little bit. Well, you have some blog posts there on Facebook. If you want to check those out, you can go to Logan and check out our latest blog post there. I will say this before we get into the the end of the show, which is where we usually do on Wednesdays. We have the week whatever quarterback prospect rankings for the twenty twenty three NFL Draft. We're not going to have those today. And uh, but before we get into why that is, make sure, of course, you're following Logan Bible Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's the most important thing. I can really care less if you follow me on social media. Just make sure you're following, subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you leave a rating on five stars on both. Make sure you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do whether it's good, bad, ugly, whatever. Just leave a description and I'll try to be better or stay the same or do worse or whatever if that you need me to do. Just let me know down in the description below but make sure you're following and subscribe to both of them. But, so why we are not having a prospect rankings list this week. well not this week. We're going to have it on Friday. So, we were in Kansas City. For well, we were uh, let's start let's throw it all the way back to Thursday. So, Thursday of last week, the day we usually record shows we drove down, my parents and I, drove down to Hillsboro, Texas. Which is a calm, cool 11 to 12 hours away from the great city of Irmandale, Iowa. So we left at 5.30 in the morning to get down there because we had a dinner, like a rehearsal dinner, the night before at 5.30 in Hillsboro, Texas. We had to drive through Dallas, we had to drive, well thankfully this route, I, maybe not thankfully, because it did take a little bit longer just because of all the stoplights, but we didn't go through, like, Oklahoma City. We didn't go through the bigger cities down there. So we kind of missed those, but we kept getting stopped at stoplights. So that kind of slowed everything down. That kind of slowed everything down. But we got there in time. That's all that really mattered. Had a good weekend. We had the, the, the rehearsal dinner. Hung out with some people that I haven't seen in a little bit. Then went to the wedding. Or hung out that night. Went to Brahms. And I don't know if any of you have been to Brahms before, but Brahms is a, an interesting concoction to say the least a very interesting concoction that I never it, it doesn't work I mean when I say it doesn't work I mean it smells like ass in there like it, it I couldn't tell if everybody else feel the same way I did maybe my sentence are just heightened but that day that night proved to me <laughs> that I did not have COVID because I could smell every single inch of this place I let someone took a massive dump and like a hot porta potty and just left the door open in the middle of a restaurant. That's what it smelled like. It is a combination of ice cream, burgers, which is fine in general. I mean, you got like a lot of burger places of ice cream. A lot of it. Like Dairy Queen being one of the main ones. It's known for their ice cream, but they also have really slapping chicken tenders. But it's a grocery store. I don't really think these things should work together but I will say this though. I don't think they should work together because the amount of smells that are fumigating in this place. And maybe it was the, the clientele. I'm not going to be mean. I don't want to be mean, but maybe the clientele were in there. Hillsborough is not necessarily the most, the fanciest place of all time. Looks like it's kind of stuck back in the eighties, but that, that place stunk. The ice cream was delicious. I will say this the ice cream was absolutely delicious, but the place just reeked. I don't know what it was. I have no idea what it was because I I asked my friends later if they smelled. They were like, "No, like what, what what's going on? How did you not smell in there?" Or they were ignoring it or something. I I don't know. I went to the bathroom. I was like, "Is this in the? Is this in here? Is this where the smell is coming from?" Nope. It's just the entire the entire place. But great night overall. The next day was the wedding. Went to the wedding. Be nice little venue. Nice little venue. I like I like these venues like this. It's nothing that fancy, but. It's minimalistic, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. We signed records because they're both in the music. Like, when you know, in the guest book, they had, like, vinyl records there. And so it said, for the record. And we signed our names on there. Wrote little notes, like, yeah, as you do it. Like, oh, my God, so excited that you're married. Congratulations. That, those kind of things. We did that on a record player. On a re- not on a record player, but on a record. But a few weeks before the wedding, flashback a little bit. Two of my other friends, names are Aaron and Jake. Jake lives out in North Carolina, so I haven't seen Jake in months. And Drew, the person who got married, he lives down in Springfield. I haven't seen him in months either. So I've seen Aaron. Aaron and I have hung out a few times because he still lives in the great state of Iowa. He works in Grimes. We were just together a couple weeks ago. He was the guy I I told you the story about getting his car getting towed. Remember that? Yeah, that was Aaron. But a few weeks before the wedding, Jake, Aaron, and I were having discussions about what should we wear to the wedding. Because, yeah, you want to look your, your dapperest. You want to look good. You want to look nice for the wedding. But there's also a sense of looking just as cool as humanly possible. And we chose to mix them together to make the ultimate fusion of cool mixed with dapper. Call it crapper. <laughs> That's what we looked like at the wedding. We had a nice, I had a nice white shirt on. I had a nice pair of blue pants on. I've worn the same... I've been to four weddings this year. Four. I've worn the same thing to three of them. All the back three. They've all been within pretty short time periods of each other. But this one, as I, outfit-wise, we're the same thing. Footwear-wise, this is where we get into the, the dapper. Because when people look at outfits, like you have... A lot of people. I shouldn't speak for everybody. But there's a lot of people out there that look at the shoes and like, what, sh- what outfit will work with the shoes that I'm going to be rocking tonight? The outfit could look cool, but if the shoes don't work, it doesn't work. The shoes got to be. The shoes have to fit. Shoes have to fit, literally and figuratively. They have to fit with the outfit, and they have to fit on your feet. Can't have clown shoes. Can't have too small shoes either. So we rocked some pink Crocs. The flyest of fly footwear money can buy and i got them from amazon so i was nervous because surprisingly the great city of des moines iowa does not really have a wide selection of pink crocs just lying around like a few years ago i went with my friend preston at fleet farm got some black crocs he got some pink crocs there but these pink crocs they don't have my size i wore a size 12 the highest size they had at fleet farm was about an eight that ain't gonna work like i said before You had to make sure it fits on your foot. Can't have size 8, 4, size It's four size too small. Can't have that. So I start panicking. I don't know where to go. I'm looking at I go to the famous footwear, I go to shoe carnival, places that I would not normally go except to look for some very, very nice footwear like Crocs. That's that's the type of place you go to. I was kind of like ruled out all like the finish lines, the the Nike store kind of ruled out them. Rule out Hollister, you know, all the, all the, all those stores. I guess Target would have been a good, maybe Target had some, maybe Hy-Vee, the Hy-Vee, which is weird that I made fun of those other stores, but like the Nike store obviously not having a Hy-Vee being a grocery store, but the Hy-Vee and Grimes sell shoes. So before you start laughing at me, they sell shoes. Okay. So I go to Amazon and it was just wishful thinking, wishful thinking. I was just going to look for them and just like, I don't know, kind of cry because, oh, I'm not going to have the shoes ready. I'm not going to have the shoes. I'm going to go to Amazon. But I click on a pair of pink Crocs on Amazon. Oh. They have size 12. Huh. Well, guess what? They also have prime shipping that could get it to my house on October 11th. We are leaving on October 12th. Wait, am I, have I got my dates right? They will have them married by October 12th. <laughs> we are leaving... On October 13th. And I get scared. So I ordered. I told my sister to order because I don't have access to the prime account. For reasons unknown. Unbeknownst to me, I don't know the reasons why I'm not allowed. But my sister orders them for me. And uh, they're supposed to get there on the 12th, the Wednesday. Because we're leaving at 5.30 the next morning. So if they do not arrive on Wednesday, we're not getting them. I'm not having pink Crocs at the wedding. I, I can't. Because I'm not. Where, where the hell else am I going to go? In Hillsboro, Texas. I don't, I think Hillsboro has a, a strict no Crocs policy. I think they're shoot on sight. Thankfully, we're inside all day. Never actually had to wear them too much outside. But I got scared. The reason I got scared is because my dog needed to go to the vet. So Bear needed to go spend the weekend at the vet. And uh, the Crocs weren't there. I picked Bear up at like 4.30. Crocs weren't there. Panic ensued. How... How are you not there at 4.30? How are you not there at 4.30? Usually they come around like 11 or noon or somewhere around that time. Not 4.30 or later. But then I take Bear to the vet. I go back to my apartment, pack up, go home. And there are my pink Crocs on the counter. Oh. The swag was saved that day. Went down to Hillsboro, Texas, rocked the Crocs. And my loser friends, Jake and Aaron. Aaron, Aaron texts me. Jake calls me. It says, hey, do you have any other shoes? Um, no. Why? Well, Aaron and I also brought dress shoes. Why? We uh, had this plan for a few months. And this, this, I would understand if this wasn't, if this was my idea. And I was kind of like forced them to do it. This wasn't even my idea. This wasn't even my idea. I went along with it. And I was going full bore with it. Like, we, we had this plan for not even just a couple weeks, a month, month and a half. It's not something that like was randomly sprung upon us like, oh, we should get Crocs. No. no. I'm not wearing dress shoes, even though I did have them. I'm not wearing them. So they are like, oh, we're going to wear them for the ceremony and then wear the Crocs for the after party or something. No. We, we said Crocs. And they tried to make fun of me for it. And one of them was, one, Jake was like, I'm an adult, so I brought dress shoes. I will, well, I'm an adult, and I usually follow through what I say I'm going to do. So there we, we, I owned him on that one. I like to think I owned him on that one. So we brought the Crocs during the ceremony. Well, I didn't have an option. Because I, they texted and called me. Aaron texted me. Jake called me. And they're like, you really don't have any other shoes? No. We agreed on wearing Crocs. Why, why the hell would I bring other shoes? Why? That doesn't make any sense. We agreed to do this. Why would I need a backup pair of shoes when I have the shoes that we said we we're going to wear? And says, I have no other shoes. Like, well, you guys don't need to do it, I guess. If you want to bail on it, be a quote-unquote adult that can't follow through with plans, that's fine. You do your thing. you got dress shoes. That's fine. I'm not because I can't rock tennis shoes. Crocs are more acceptable, socially acceptable at weddings than tennis shoes. Unless they're a nice pair of Jordans. Then you can rock those, I guess. I'm not one of those people that looks super cool with Jordans and dress pants. I, I shouldn't take that. I look cool and everything. I take that back. I take that back. But yes, we rocked the Crocs during the wedding. The wedding went a lot shorter than I was expecting, and like and everything included. It started at two, ended at round five. And then my friends and I went to Waco, went to the Baylor Stadium, went to a, a, a scary mini golf course, <laughs> and went to McS- McKee, what, what, whatever the hell Baylor Stadium's name is. We went there, went to the RG3 statue, did all that, went back to the apartment or hotel, watched Tusk, The night before, we watched Nada Libre. Wedding night or Saturday, the wedding day when we're all hanging out, we watch Tusk. And if you have not seen Tusk, I I recommend it. but I urge you to proceed with caution. I do not want you to though to read the description on anything. I just want you to go into it blind and go, "Hey, Logan Blackburn from the Logan Blackman Show said to watch this movie." Logan Blackburn from the Logan Blackburn Show hosts a podcast called the Logan Blackman Show. His opinion's validated. His opinion matters. So I'm going to watch it. And I'm not going to do anything about looking at the description and all that. Because Jake and I were aware of what this movie was. Aaron was not. I don't know why I suggested this movie. But Aaron was on his laptop because he had the access to the movies. It was on HBO. And I was like, don't read the description. Don't read the description. Put it on the TV. Hit play. You just got to go through blind. And I don't know how that was. Watching Tusk blind. Because when I was introduced to it, I saw a trailer before I watched it, so I had a general grasp of what it was. So I'm not going to tell you anything that happens in the movie. I just urge you to proceed with caution. To proceed with caution, but watch it because it, it, it's an emotional roller coaster, absolutely emotional roller coaster. <laughs> and then next morning we get up at 5:30 again, drive up to Kansas City where I am dropped off on the edge of the highway. Thankfully, I meet some hitchhikers, and, or meet some people that are willing to pick up hitchhikers, and I get dropped off at a hotel. That did happen. My parents dropped me off at the hotel. But I met a couple other friends down in Kansas City. So Jared and Brady, we, at the, we got the hotel pretty much the exact same time. And we were all going to the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs-Buffalo Bills game. So this is Jared's second ever NFL game. Ever. We went to the Vikings-Cowboys game last year. Maybe it was because I'm a neutral Maybe that was the main reason why, but I'm not gonna sit here and say like I was emotionally invested. When I said cheering for the Cowboys or the Vikings, I would lean that way, but I don't really like either team. I hate the Cowboys, and I could really give two shits about the Vikings, but just because they're Vikings fans, I have to say a little things like I wore I wore a Fireball High School sweatshirt, which is Josh Allen's high school and a Bills hat. Brady sold his soul and wore a Viking sweatshirt, so. We were sitting there, was like, oh, I can't wear any of these, this crappy stuff. I am not, a, and it's not even the color thing. It's not the color. It's more of a morals thing. Like I went to two schools that had purple and gold as their main colors. I went to high school at Johnston, Johnston Dragons, purple and gold, and I went two and a half years at UNI, purple and gold, UNI Panthers. I have no, like a lot of people are like, oh, I hate the colors. It's not the colors thing. I can deal with the colors. It's the fact that I'm wearing that logo on my chest. I can't have that. I cannot have that. But it was my friend, other friend, Noah. He did not go with us to the game. He lives in Montana now. He It was his first NFL game. It was Jared's first NFL game. Brady and I had been to NFL games before. Hell, we were in we were going to go to the, the Bills-Chiefs game in January, which we did not know at that time. But, yeah, Brady and I had been to games together. Brady and I tailgated numerous times together. So this was nothing new to us, but this was their first one. So we had to enjoy it for them. So because Brady and I were subjected to watching Cooper Rush who's the main reason, the main and only reason, the Cowboys are as good as they are. The only reason that they're that good. We went down, we dragged him down to the Kansas City Chiefs Buffalo Bills game. We hung, up, hung out on Saturday, went to Boulevard. That was really fun. Got a few free beers from Boulevard. Got a nice sweatshirt. All good. All looking super sweet. Go to bed, do your thing, like watch college football. We went to Chicago, old Chicago, got some, what did I get? It was like a, a chicken po- uh Pesto pasta style thing. I don't know exactly what it was called. Heartburn for hours, though. Heartburn from hours. Brady was on the shitter all morning the next morning, complaining much. He got some, like, spicy sandwich. Jared got a meatball sub. I don't remember what Brady got. He got, like, a calzone thing. Those things are not nice to you. They're not nice to you. And places like old Chicago, though tasty, really hurt your insides. It's really not food that's supposed to be ingested. Okay? That's more stuff you look at a window and go like, oh, that'd be good. And then keep walking. Keep walking. And it's expensive. It's expensive, but it was good. It was good. Especially after getting a couple beers at Boulevard. You know what? Food like that tastes a whole hell of a lot better. Why do you think Applebee's is still in business? That food stinks. Chili's same thing. What other places are like that? Perk ah, Perkins got the breakfast. Perkins got some pretty pretty nice uh pancakes. There's a, there's a ton of places like that, though. Not good. Outback Steakhouse. Prime example of that. But then the next day, we go to the Bill's, Bills Chiefs game. Tailgate getting in line around 8 o'clock. I was up at 5.30. Three. So we got Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I was three out of the four days I was gone. We got up at 5.30. And you know what? I was not tired for any of them. I had get a Red Bull for the the Bill's Chiefs game, but that was just precautionary. I didn't even really think I needed it. But I think it just a day of driving plus getting up at 5,30 back-to-back days, I thought it would have some sort of ad- adverse effect on me. It did not. It did not. Maybe the Red Bull just kicked me up that, but I got like an 8.4ounce red bull, so it wasn't even like it was the smallest red bull you can get it was sugar-free too. So yeah, but man, that game was awesome tailgated, did all that stuff, as you do down in Arrowhead, one of my favorite places to go in the NFL, easily. And I left that stadium a whole lot better, in a whole lot better mood than what I had when I left in January. So for those of you who don't remember what happened in January, that was arguably the greatest playoff game of all time. And I would say, and I'm biased, of course, because my favorite quarterback was in this game, but I think it's the greatest quarterback duel of all time. I've never seen two quarterbacks... Duel like that ever, let alone actually be there in person to witness it. It was just a whole nother ball game. Like, I appreciate the game for what it was. I'm not stupid. I, I understand what the game was. The game was a, one of the greatest football games of all time, let alone the one of the greatest games I've ever been to. The Bills won the game. There were 13 seconds left. The game's over. And then the Chiefs going down to kick a field goal. All a bunch of, we're not going to tell what happened in overtime, but a different feeling. Totally different feeling. And you go into that game excited. And it's Jared's second ever NFL game going to Arrowhead, which I've said this before on the show, even before I went to the Vikings game last year. Just my one experience in Minnesota, that atmosphere is not great in the Vikings stadium. It's not great. I, I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody out there. It's not great. It's not that exciting of an atmosphere to be in. I'm not a massive fan of the skull chant. I don't think that's intimidating at all as an away fan. Like, I've been there as a neutral and an away fan. It's not that intimidating. Like, the Tomahawk Chop, whatever you feel about it, uh, it's, that's intimidating. That's a whole hell of a lot more intimidating than the Skull Chant. The Skull Chant's not I I've never really found that intimidating. On TV and then when I want to go see it in person twice, it's just not. It's not it. It's not it. And then you have, like, the Vikings playing their, their pregame hype video. And then showing all their great moments, which coincidentally are all when they're playing outside, <laughs> they play this massive ass dome and have fake snow falling from the ceiling. It's super cool, super cool. Like they literally had to drown out the Cowboys fans from cheering because their home crowd won't cheer. That's not a, that's not a blast at all, Vikings fans. But those Vikings fans who are like that, you know exactly who I'm talking to. And there's fans like that everywhere, but you gotta be the gotta be loud. And to be fair to Jared and Noah, they were loud. They were loud at the Vikings, the Vikings-Cowboys game. I'm not sit there and denounce that. Oh, they were shitty. They were shitty the entire time. They sat down. They didn't say anything the entire game. But I told Jared and Noah, going to Arrowhead, you'll never sit down. I think we sat down for a grand total of probably ten minutes of real time during the game on Sunday. Like ten minutes. Like if you started a timer. Didn't have timeouts, clock stoppage, whatever. You just went straight to 10 minutes. That's how long I think we sat down. That's how long I think we sat down. And, of course, again, I understand that I'm biased because I've watched. That's, I, I can't even be biased on that because I've been away fans at both stadiums. I watched the Bills and the Vikings play in Minnesota. So I'm not even, like, biased, like, oh, I was at the Bills game. Like, this one was so much better than the Vikings, Vikings game. No, I've seen Bills play in both stadiums. I think Arrowhead's the most intimidating place to play in the entire NFL. I haven't been to every stadium, but from what I can tell in Arrowhead, I know that place gets freaking loud. That place is really intimidating. It's a very intimidating place. It's an awesome stadium. I hope they never move from that stadium, but that thing is awesome. I love going to that stadium. I've been to that stadium six times. This past Sunday was my sixth time at the stadium. I've enjoyed every single time there. Well, in relative terms, <laughs> see, I have, I'm three and three, See my team win three times, two times the last three years. I watched Tyrod Taylor and the bills beat the chiefs the year before Patty Mahomes. My first ever NFL game was actually bills chiefs first ever one. I don't, I can't remember what year that was, but it was my first ever NFL game. I was in high school. I don't remember what year it was, but yeah, that was my first one. We were in the end zone for that one. But, man, they keep getting better and better. Like, the regular season game last year was fun. But the lightning delay definitely derailed a little bit of that. The playoff game was amazing, but the result didn't go the way I wanted it to. This one, no delays, no nothing, just great football throughout the entire, entire, entire time. Nothing to complain about the entire game. It was beautiful out, perfect, quote-unquote, football weather. It was absolutely beautiful. And you saw the two best quarterbacks in the NFL dueling it out right in front of your eyes. I've been gr- lucky enough to see that three times. Four times? No, three times, three times. No, I see, I saw it before la- last year. I had to. I don't remember. I No, I've seen Tyrod I've seen Tyrod the other times, but three times I've been blessed to watch these two battle it out. And people want to hype it up as the new Brady Manning rivalry. And I think this one has all the makings of the Brady Manning rivalry just on freaking steroids. And that's not disrespect to Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I've said a thousand times on the show the top three quarterbacks in NFL history in this order usually I'll say in no particular order in this order Brady, Montana, Manning. Like those two are solidified as top three quarterbacks in NFL history, in my opinion. I've not taken anything away from their greatness. But what Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can do with the football in their hands, whether that's running the ball, throwing the ball, whatever, they are special. They are absolutely special. And I like to think, and you know, I've obviously been, you know, back and forth on this a lot. I want to think I've given Patrick Mahomes his flowers throughout the years. I understand Patrick Mahomes has been the best quarterback in the NFL pretty much ever since he started in the NFL, really. He may not have had the best numbers, the best, like, MVPs, or won a Super Bowl that year, but what Patrick Mahomes does is just insane. But that being said, Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL at this current moment. And we're just judging on – and I've tried to get this over on people. This current moment, I don't care about what happened in the past. Right here and right now, Josh Allen's the best quarterback. Josh Allen has 200-plus more passing yards than everybody in the league. And he missed, he's played two less quarters than everybody. He sat out in the fourth quarter against the Titans, sat out in the fourth quarter against the Steelers. And dude's got 1,900 passing yards, leads the league in total touchdowns. There's not a player in the NFL right now that's playing better than Josh Allen. And Sunday showed that. And I just love, like, Nick Wright and all these talking heads on these big-time networks. And I, I understand. I said this with Colin Coward. Actually, we'll talk about Coward first. We'll talk about Coward first. Remember when Josh Allen couldn't win those close games and we docked Josh Allen because he won blowouts, which I've never heard someone, a quarterback, get bashed because they obliterate teams? I've never once heard that. And then um, proceeds to have two fourth-quarter comebacks against the Ravens and then the Chiefs, both on the road? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that absolutely freaking crazy that that happens? Oh, Josh Allen doesn't have those games. The Bills posted a thing on Instagram that they had to delete, and apparently Colin Cowherd said the Bills had to delete it. He made the Bills delete the post. And I saw this on Twitter, and I agree 100% with it. If you're going to be so flipping back and forth with your takes, you have to get made fun of, and you have to take it. When you have a take that bad that everybody can, in their, own, everybody and their mom can just go out and Google and prove that that's not true, that Josh Allen does not have the fourth quarter come as Mahomes has. Josh Allen has more and just extended his lead on Patrick Mahomes because he beat him on Sunday. And then people want to talk about Nick Wright, you know, notorious Chiefs fan who – and I, I want to say, say this as well. Though their takes are idiotic and just can be easily destroyed within like five seconds – They are good at their job because their job is not to have correct opinions. Their job is to draw viewership. And when you have takes that are so out there, it's so really bashing without having any real weight behind it. Like Colin Coward said Derek Carr's a Hall of Famer. Who the hell said that before this offseason? I made fun of Kevin on here a thousand times for saying that. And Colin Coward said it. I have heard a lick of that this year. Yeah, got Devontae Adams. He's playing worse than when he was last year. Like, its you can't have takes that are so out there like that. And, like, the Jets and Cardinals won the 2018 draft because they got Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. Bills and Ravens have question marks. And they got by far the two best quarterbacks in that draft class. Not even close. Hell, three of those quarterbacks will be backups next year. Baker ain't going to start anywhere next year. Like, again, that was another stupid take. The Panthers are a playoff team because they got Baker Mayfield? Baker can take a better Browns team to the playoffs, and he's going to take this crappy-ass Panthers team to the playoffs? No, 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 no. Maybe they'll write the shit, but right now they're in line to have the number one overall pick in the draft and draft another quarterback. So they'll have, what, three quarterbacks on their roster that are drafting the first three picks of the NFL draft, one, one, and three, with Sam Darnold still being there? You can't have like with those takes that you have. People are going to talk about it, and this is what we call clickbait journalism. Like your your job out there is not to be correct. Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless mastered this back in the mid two thousands, early twenty tens, where it was let's say the most out like Tim Tebow better than Aaron Rodgers or Johnny Manziel is going to be bigger bigger in Cleveland than LeBron James ever was. Like things like that, they're just so outlandish. But you know what? People are going to watch it. People want to hate on you more. And that's what draws viewerships. So when you have people like Nick Wright and Colin Coward saying these ridiculous takes about Josh Allen has no fourth quarter comebacks, hasn't gotten that step, and we're going to bash him because he's blown out teams. And then Nick Wright comes on the air and says, "Congrats on the Bills winning the Super Bowl because this is the only game they're going to beat the Chiefs in." And then saying Josh Allen with an early turn with an, unfor- an uncostly turnover, how unfortunate. And then Patrick Mahomes proceeds to throw a red zone interception, which he had not done this year, which everybody said he was so much better than Josh Allen doing was scoring in the red zone. And then throws a game sealing interception, which ironically happened 13 seconds. The Chiefs' last drive lasted 13 seconds before Patrick Mahomes threw a game sealing interception. I respect the hell out of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is... One of the greatest talents we've ever seen at the quarterback position. And I talked to my dad when he won, when they went on to win the Super Bowl against the Niners. I was living up in Cedar Falls at the time. The Colts were playing the Chansey Chiefs. And it's ironic because the Colts ended up winning the game with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. I remember the Chiefs were winning at halftime, and I went to go get ice cream with my, sister, with my sister. So I left my house at halftime, had ice cream with my sister, dropped her back off at her place, then went back to my house, and I called my dad and I said, Dad, is there a realistic op- like chance Mahomes could become the greatest quarterback of all time? I don't think that narrative is out of the question. I don't think that's something that can't still happen. But to sit there and say that this year, and you can bring in all the other things, I don't care, but people bring in Pro Bowl votes as regards to say someone's better than somebody, That I remember when I was a kid, I thought that was cool. I thought Pro Bowl votes were awesome. But now that I'm an adult and I can actually do research and stuff and know, oh, it's just a giant popularity contract? Lamar Jackson made the Pro Bowl 16 touchdowns and like 13 interceptions last year. And no one's a bigger Lamar Jackson fan than myself. Well, there are other big, bigger Lamar Jackson fans, but you get what I'm trying to say. I've defended Lamar Jackson a thousand times in this show. I love Lamar Jackson. He's my second favorite quarterback in the league behind Josh Allen. Lamar did not deserve the Pro Bowl. Plus, Lamar only played like 12 games last year. Lamar didn't play. He didn't finish the season. Josh doubled his touchdowns and didn't get voted in. Was an was an alternate. But when Lamar Jackson opted out because he was hurt, Josh Allen was like, nah. I'm going to go play in the Pro-Am. So Mac Jones took the spot. So Josh Allen doesn't have a Pro Bowl vote or Pro Bowl, registered a Pro Bowl appearance because he turned down the invite. But Mac Jones does because he played in the game. Lamar Jackson does because he got voted in. Josh Allen was an alternate. You don't get a Pro Bowl tally because you're an alternate. He had the opportunity to play, turned it down, went to go play golf. Doesn't have anything registering last year's Pro Bowl. So you're going to bring up with Pro Bowl arguments like, oh, Mitch Trubisky has the same number of Pro Bowls as Josh Allen. Really? We're going to use Pro Bowl votes and Pro Bowl appearances in returns to register greatness? Like, sure, all pros, Super Bowls, MVPs, Offensive Player of the Years. that stuff's fine. I understand that. That stuff, yeah, you earned that. Pro Bowl, you could be any Joe Schmo, but if you're on a big-time team with a rabid fan base, you're going to get voted in, which surprises me why Josh Allen wasn't voted in. But Lamar is very popular. Very popular quarterback. You have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and then Lamar. I'm not sitting here and saying that on a normal day, Lamar makes doesn't make the Pro Bowl. No, Lamar makes the Pro Bowl 99% of the time. Just didn't deserve it last year because he wasn't playing and didn't have a great year. But Josh does him a Pro Bowl vote. So don't bring that in the conversation. Like people want to bring all that stuff in about Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. And the one thing that I've... I said this during the offseason because Stephon Diggs said it. There are things that do Patrick Mahomes can do that Josh Allen can do? There are things Josh Allen can do that Patrick Mahomes cannot do, i.e. hurtling over Justin Reed while also breaking LeJaria Snead's ankles in the process. Mahomes is not doing that. Mahomes is not stiff-arming defensive linemen and linebackers. In regards to throwing the ball, they're they're insanely similar. Insanely similar. The two strongest arms in the entire NFL. But there are things Josh can do that Mahomes just can't. And that's not a diss on Mahomes, really. It's more of a pushing up of Josh Allen and you, again I've said this before you can call me biased I really don't care I really do not care but if you're going to try and belittle Josh Allen because your little feelings are hurt that pa- Josh Allen is slowly passing Mahomes up then sure bring in your Pro Bowl votes come on I don't care and I don't like doing this argument either but look at the teams they got drafted into the Chiefs are a thousand times better I hold on I dropped something that guy, so, the Chiefs are a thousand times better with Mahomes now than what they were with Alex Smith. I understand that. But the team he was on versus the team Josh Allen got drafted into, when Josh Allen got drafted, they were expected to win two wins, two games. They had a terrible-ass roster, especially on offense. Look at the people they had on that offense. There are no ones. There's one starter in the league out of that offense, minus Josh Allen. Now it's Deion Dawkins who's still on the Bills. Everybody else. I think Jordan Mills actually just got signed by someone. I feel bad for every team he got signed for. I don't know why the hell he got signed. But yeah, Jordan Mills, Vlad Ducasse, Jordan, John Miller. Or is it John Miller that got signed? One of, those, one of the right tackle, right guard got signed. And Russell Brody, Bodine and Ryan Groy. Kelvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, Robert Foster, Charles Clay. And an aging LaShawn McCoy that couldn't do anything behind the worst offensive line in football. Second year head coach. Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron as Josh Allen's mentors, quote-unquote. It was going to take some time for Josh Allen to really get into it, as he was, quote-unquote, the biggest project we had ever seen get drafted. And I also hate this, when we're talking about that draft process. And now we're going to, well, hmm, no, I want to save that now. No, we'll continue with the Mahomes-Allen stuff first, and then we'll get into that stuff. But to sum it all up, really... I don't want to sound like I'm bashing Patrick Mahomes just for the sake of bashing, bashing, bashing Patrick Mahomes. And we want to bring up the record between the two teams. Hell, it'd be nice if the game was in Buffalo for once. Out of the past four appearances, this, the past four games these two teams have played each other, three of them have been in Kansas City, and the one next year is already going to be in Kansas City again. So we're going to have, unless they meet in the playoffs, and if the Bills get the number one seed, which I told Brady and Jared before the game started, that this was the battle for the number one seed. I don't see any other team really competing for the number one spot in the AFC apart from these two. Especially what I watched on Monday Night Football. Especially what I watch on Monday Night Football. Those two teams ain't competing for that either. And we'll get to that <laughs> monstrosity in a little bit. But in discounting the, this playoff, we don't know. Four out of the last five games these two teams have played have been in Arrowhead. The toughest stadium to play. And you want to know, uh, just, just a... I had the stats the stats up here at one point. Where the hell are they? Where the hell are they? Yeah. Josh Allen's last three games at Arrowhead Stadium, which is his last three games against the Kansas City Chiefs. 973 yards. 159 rushing yards. 10 touchdowns, no picks, 129.3 QBR with a 6.7% completion percentage. In the toughest stadium to play in the NFL, Mahomes has played in Buffalo one time. They won, sure, in the weird-ass COVID year with no fans, the Mickey Mouse year, whatever everybody likes to call it. Discredit Josh Allen one more time, please, Nick Wright, Josh, uh, uh, Colin Coward, national media, whoever the hell you are. It gets clicks; you get people talking. I understand that you're at your job, you're doing good at it, but at some point, it just gets annoying. Uh, Not not at some points. It's just annoying in general. There's not a player in the NFL right now that is better than Josh Allen. I'm not using past stuff. We're talking about right now. The MVP is not voted on who won the MVP in 2018. No one cares about that. What happened in 2018 happened in 2018 has no bearing on what's happening in 2022. That was four years ago, going on five. I don't care if Mahomes won the MVP in 2018. That does not matter to the MVP voting of this year. And it won't matter for the MVP voting of next year, for the year after, for the year after that. Right now, there's not a better player in the NFL than Josh Allen. And I'm tired of hearing otherwise. Like, I respect Mahomes. Like, the top four MVP candidates, I respect all of them. Mahomes, Lamar, Jalen Hurts. Love all of them. Some of my favorite players in the NFL are those four. Or those three. Well, I have like four, including Josh Allen. But don't sit here and pretend like right now Mahomes is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Right now. Again, I don't care about the MVP in 2018. We're talking about right freaking now. Hell, he passed him last year in the playoff game. He gave Patrick Mahomes his biggest ever loss in Kansas City during the regular season. 18 points, beat him 38-20 on the road. Went to the playoff game. Should have won that game, too. 13 seconds, and the defense couldn't stop anything. The number one defense turned to the number 32 defense like that. Prevent defense with a team has three timeouts, you guard the sidelines. It makes absolutely no sense. The person who kills you over the middle, you just lay them wide-ass open to Kel- Travis Kelsey. Looking like the Las Vegas Raiders out there. The past three times Josh Allen's played Patrick Mosey's outplayed him. The past three times... You could say Patrick Mahomes won the playoff game. Cool. Josh Allen didn't touch the ball in overtime. Josh Allen left the field a winner. Thirteen seconds left, won the game. Had a ninety-nine yard touchdown drive in this game or ninety-eight, whatever it was. Josh Allen was the best quarterback in the NFL going into the season, and he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now, and he's the best player in the NFL. He's going to win MVP, unless something insane happens, knock on wood, of course, and he's going to win off the player of the year. I respect Cooper Cup, Nick Chubb, Justin Jefferson, all those guys. Respect the hell out of them. They're not taking, Josh is cleaning clean house with the this year. It's not even close. And then we'll go, I talked about Justin Fields a little bit, or at least I was planning on it, I don't know if I actually said his name or not, but the Bears stink. We said this when they beat the 49ers. There was an anomaly game. They reek. This team stinks like really, really bad. And Bears fans are posting this on Twitter about, oh, here's Justin Fields numbers versus Josh Allen's numbers when he was at this point in his career. Again, we keep on saying this. This isn't something that just happens every freaking year. Like, sure, it might happen that he turns into a quarterback the level of Josh Allen where he's hurdling players, single-handedly beating teams that, oh, he has no chance of beating. Joy Taylor literally said, I am so confident that the Chiefs will beat the Bills on Sunday. Justin Fields is not at that level yet. I think Justin Fields can get there, but Justin Fields, first off, for his own sanity, needs to take some of the pressure off himself. I think this dude tries to do way too much. And I understand why. I understand why. Dude's got no help. So when you've got no help, your trust goes way down. Like, there are screenshots on Twitter today from the Commanders versus the Bears game, which was last Thursday, 12-7 win for the Commanders. Terrible-ass game. Thankfully, I didn't watch it. <laughs> but there are screenshots from these games of a wide-open pocket, like a perfect pocket, and it's two seconds after he snapped the ball, which is should be enough time to get everything going. And he breaks the pocket. Clean pocket just breaks it. He doesn't trust anybody in Chicago. And again, the O-line stinks. He's got one decent weapon in Darnell Mooney. Like, he doesn't have a whole lot up there. He's got the intangibles you're looking for. He's got the measurables. He's got the arm talent. He's got the running ability. Like, he's got everything you're looking for. It's just not coming together, which we should... I said this at the beginning of the year. The Bears have said this is basically a wash year. Nothing good will come out of this year, really. Realistically, I mean, things could happen. Like We'll talk about another team here in a little bit, about something that kind of just spontaneously happened. But the expectation for the Bears was that they were going to be bad. They have a shit ton of cash space next year. They have the most cap space in the NFL coming up next year. They cleared so much dead weight off this summer. Like, they've got space to get some big-name players for Justin Fields to get. And if you have a good draft pick, you get the draft picks to draft some good players, get some offensive linemen, receivers, whatever. I think the defense could figure itself out. Matt Eberflos being a defensive guy, he's always had a very solid defense around him. That'll figure itself out. The offense will not, unless you give Justin Fields some help. And Justin Fields, by all accounts, really this year has been frustrating. You see the talent there but he's ditching the pocket early. He's not making smart throws. Like, you can not have weapons, but still make smart throws. And the Bears aren't passing with him. So I don't know what the hell's going on with it. There's somewhat of a trust issue between Fields, the O-line, the receivers, and somewhat of the coaching staff. Because he's thrown, I think, the least out of all, like, qualifying quarterbacks that registered significant playing time. I think at least that's how it was like a few weeks ago, but I don't remember if that still stands. But Bears fans, I just want to uh, the, we have a guy at our office, Sean, big Bears fan. Pretty uh not sure about Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields can be the guy. I think he can be the guy. He's just got some t- he's got some things to get over, which aren't always not necessarily on him. He looks antsy back there, but I don't blame him. He just, they destroyed his confidence by not getting any off to linemen. So he's antsy. He doesn't trust a two-second pocket, which is a good pocket in the NFL. You don't have a lot of time to work. Plays should last about five seconds. And you're breaking the pocket after two. It's a little scary. So Justin Fields just needs to calm down a little bit. I don't think... Uh, this is this could be wrong this could be wrong very wrong but I don't think the Bears are in the position to move on from Justin Fields after this season and I I'm well aware of the fact that Matt Eberflus and their new GM I think his name's Ryan Poles I could be wrong have no connection with Justin Fields they didn't draft him they weren't there when they drafted him that's Matt Nagy and uh Ryan Pace's gig they drafted Justin Fields that was Matt Nagy's guy was Justin Fields apparently but he's not a pocket passer. Stop trying to make him a pocket passer. He's not that. He could have a very similar-ish career to Jalen Hurts. Like him and Jalen Hurts are fairly similar. Big dudes can run the ball. Jalen Hurts has an underrated arm. Jalen Hurts has a strong arm. I think Justin Fields has a stronger arm. Justin Fields isn't as the, as a what do you call it, a little bulkier, not as bulky as Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts looks like a tight end or a linebacker. Justin Fields is taller. Justin Fields about 6'3", 220, 225, 230, somewhere around there. Big dude. Let him run. Give him some opportunities to run the ball more. Call his number more. Stop forcing him to be a pocket passer because that's not what he is. He's not that. As much as you want him to be, he's just not that, at this point anyways. But I, I'm just scared that he kills confidence because I don't want his confidence to get killed because I really like Justin Fields. But yeah, that game on Thursday, from what I've heard, awful. And I, we said that before the game even started. Said that before the game even started. Like, Justin Fields at 88 yards rushing. I don't know how much of those yards were actually called run plays or if he just broke the pocket and ran. I don't know what those were called. But 7-12. Thursday Night Football last week, or the week before, was 12-9. And speaking of the Broncos, I don't know what's going on there. I really don't know what's going on there. That, that team stinks. Like we're talking about stinky teams. This offense... Was supposed to be supernova this year. Remember going into the offseason. You brought in Russell Wilson. Won a Super Bowl in Seattle. Had a lot of success up there. Never had a losing record until last year when he got hurt. Like he was the guy, Seattle. Owns part of the Seattle Sounders. Like, he's Mr. Seattle up there. Going to Denver, oh, this is the thing they need. They just needed to change their quarterback and head coach. And they were going to be good. No. No they are bad. They are not very good. And Nathaniel Hackett, again, doesn't look like he can really hack it right now. He looks lost. He looks lost. And the thing that <laughs> that people have been pointing out on Twitter, and I found this really funny, Melvin Gordon, who's been a really solid running back throughout his career in the NFL with the Chargers and the Broncos, was good enough, apparently, to take carries off of Javante Williams, who's In his own right, a very good running back and will eventually be the Broncos' number one guy. Very good running back. But not Latavius Murray, who was signed last week. Latavius Murray had 15 carries yesterday, Melvin Gordon had three. Melvin Gordon could take carries off a better running back, but not Latavius Murray. That's weird. That's weird. Russell Wilson at one point was 10 for 10. He finished the game 15 of 28. And it's not even like he's throwing, like he's missing receivers. It's not just he's just missing receivers. He's missing receivers. Like, not even, like, overthrowing or underthrowing. He's not even looking at them. There are numerous times where you can watch a Broncos game and go, okay, that dude's wide open. Why is he not throwing in the ball? And the receivers, as they should be, are extremely frustrated. This offense was supposed to be, like, oh, they're going to be back. This is the juggernaut division. Yeah, juggernauts, they all stink. Like, the Chargers, they're 4-2. Chiefs are miles better than the Chargers. I know the game was close, but this Chargers team, like, last night was terrible. For how much talent, I understand they don't have Keenan Allen. I don't know when he's coming back, He's a hamstring injury. But for what you have, how much talent you have, their play calling is so odd. It's just so odd. Like, Justin Herbert is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Thrown it 57 times, and a lot of those passes were probably within three to five yards. Probably. And a few down the sidelines, sure. But they weren't very long. Austin Eckler had 16 targets. They targeted him 16 times. Ten catches. Really? I get Austin Eckler's a very effective running back out of the backfield catching the ball. But come on, man. Mike Williams had two catches for 17 yards. Come on. It's Mike Williams. Come on. Like, this game was just brutal. What is it with these recent primetime? I guess the Chiefs-Raiders game was somewhat entertaining just because of the stupid pass, the rough of the passer, and the the really weird, totally right analytic call to go for it when you're up by seven points, and you can just kick the extra point to go by eight. But that's, 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 that's whatever. That's whatever. and then you had the Raiders going for two. I guess that was entertaining, but these Thursday night football games, like, stop putting, I know, how many more primetime games does this stupid-ass Broncos team have? Oh, my God, they have a, oh, they're in London. Okay, that's AM, AM. Oh, that scared me. They play the Chiefs on Sunday night football. Oh, God, they play the Chargers last game of the year. I'm sure they were expecting that game to be like a final playoff push game, and that's TBD for the time. I I would imagine that game was going to be a Sunday night football game. That's where I, I predict that was going to be a Sunday Night Football game because that – I think before the season started, a lot of people thought those two teams would be right behind the Chiefs in the division. I mean, technically they are, and the Chargers are technically tied with the Chiefs, but they are just not good. I'm, I'm happy that the Broncos get shunted over to London. They're playing the Jaguars. But, man, the Broncos are just cancer to watch. Good Lord. They've scored less than 20 points five times this year. No, yeah, five times. They scored 23 against the Raiders. They've scored a whopping 16, 16, 11, 9, and 16. And they had the 23 points against the Raiders. What is that? Like, I, you could put up better numbers with Drew Locke and whoever, well, who was the coach last year? I don't even remember. Who was the coach for the Broncos? Was it Shermer? Who the hell was the Broncos coach? I don't think it was Shermer. Was there someone else there? I I completely blame, but you could have had the same exact offense. I'm sure that offense would have been better than this one. This they, they stink. And there's more and more stuff like everybody has known for a while that Richard Sherman does not like Russell Wilson. That's been that's old news. Everybody's well aware of that at this point, at least I hope you are. Like, even when they're Seattle, Doug Baldwin, receiver for the Eagles, or Seahawks, did not like Russell Wilson. There are not a lot of people that like Russell Wilson. Marshawn Lynch had this to say the other day about Russell Wilson, about how he had, you have to reach out through his manager to get hold of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson doesn't even give out his phone number to his teammates. Dude's incredibly corny, doesn't talk to his teammates, and then tries to be this super motivational leader – but you don't talk to your teammates. So how the hell are you going to be motivational? No one's going to buy into that. Which is why the frustration is so like visible from his teammates. Like When you see quarterbacks have a bad throw or bad whatever, or you lose a game and you, they didn't get the ball to the receiver, they'll be disappointed, but they're not going to slam their helmet off the turf. i are not going to do that. And the Broncos players are visibly pissed. Like, they're not just like rolling their eyes or like mouth up like, ugh, like a deep breath. No, they are yelling. They are pissed. Hackett is not doing well. And this is just another example. We said this last week. Another example of a guy who got a job because he knew a good quarterback. He had Rodgers. McDaniel's had Brady. Gase had Manning. Like you have all these different examples of this happening. Like it. Just, so when is this gonna work? Like oh. They have a legendary quarterback. I wonder if they're really doing anything. How much are you really coaching those three quarterbacks? Really? Probably not a lot. Uh, probably not a lot. And that's really showing. Because they can't call plays? They can't do anything? They can't do personnel situations? How's Melvin, how the hell is Melvin Gordon, a, Melvin Gordon good enough to take carries away from Javante Williams and he isn't, can't take carries away from Lotavius Murray? How? Explain to somebody. It's ridiculous. Like, I hate, I didn't like watching the Broncos before. I had a general disdain for the Broncos in general. Now I hate watching them. Like, this is not even fun. I just feel like this is what people are suffering on Twitter because the, the, like, people on social media are bitching and complaining about the Broncos all the time being on our primetime games. This is what it's like being an Iowa fan, okay? You have the one odd game where they score 23 points, but the rest of it, it's terrible. The defense playing great offense can't do shit. Offense cannot do anything. We'll talk about Iowa in a little bit, because good Lord, we got a matchup coming up this Saturday. They stink. The, the Broncos are bad. And the Chargers, just the play calling is just so weird. For how much talent they have, it they should not be beating a team as bad as Denver, at least offensively, by three points. And taking overtime to do it is sad. It was sad, but we've had some other games this weekend that were shocking like the Jets beating the Packers, not just beating them, beating them by 17. The Jets, I, I, I've said this before, my entire life I've never really had like a real hatred for the Jets. I've always cheered against them because they're the Jets and they're in my division, but like we cheered for them when they beat the Titans a few years ago. I generally laugh when the Jets get a win. I, I find it amusing. This one was like, whoa, and we said the Packers are not very good. I don't know what the hell is going on with their offense, but they can't do anything. But this Jets team is fun. I will say that. They're fun. they got a really young roster. We said this in the preview last year, and we said it this year as well, about the Jets were almost there. They have a good young roster. They just need a year to develop. I guess last year was the development year. Even though they have four guys that they drafted the first two rounds this year, early picks, that are making an impact right away. And you look at the guys that drafted last year. Make it an impact right away. Sauce Gardner is ridiculous. We knew this going into the NFL. This dude's ridiculous. He's going to... He's. I don't remember who we said would... I think we had to say... We had to say Sauce Gardner win rookie of the year, right? I can't. I can't imagine I would have said anything else. Is there someone else that I'm just completely forgetting about? Oh, crap. I can't even find it. What did we even call that stupid thing? It was like... Mid-season awards or quarter-season awards or something? I'll search awards. Because I, we had to put Saskar. I I can't find it. I had to put I Even if I didn't, I'm saying I did because I can't find it. I don't remember who else would have said. I don't know who else would have said for that, but he's playing at another level right now. Priest Hall has taken over the number one role in the running back room. We said that last week after his big game. Against oh crap who did they just play? He I got me. Mean, he had 100 100 close to hundred receiving yards. Anyways, who did they play last week? I'm trying to remember. I don't want to look it up. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It's just not really important. <laughs> it's not really. It's not really matter to what's going on here. But the Jets are four and freaking two. The Jets are four and two. The Giants are five and one. They just beat the Ravens. So we got the New Jersey teams with a combined record of nine and two, nine and three. That is crazy. That is crazy. I predicted both of them to win five five games all year. And they've already... Jets are one win away, and the Giants have already made the five. Now, unless the Giants and Jets have some sort of amazing capitulation towards the end of the year, I ain't going to get those predictions right. So we can chalk up my first ever... My first wrong prediction of the season to the Giants and Jets because they're playing really well. And the Giants are playing the friggin' Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, and Lions next. Hell, this team might be what the nine and one going in the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. There's a real possibility, given that schedule, the Giants could be nine and one. That's a scary thought. And this is why I have defended Daniel Jones. I'm not going to sit here and say I've been like, Daniel Jones is a great quarterback. Daniel Jones is a great quarterback. He's going to do this. Like, we just said he had potential. He's got all the physical tools there. It just a matter of can the dude actually figure it out? Because at the time he's tripping over his own feet, fumbling every since every time he touched the ball. So we we're like, okay, we got we have to let him. We have to see what he has, because I think he has some stuff in there. He just can't really show it for whatever reason. But he's showing it this year. We had the 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 Steelers beating the Bucks twenty eighteen. Kenny Pickett got concussion, so Trubisky came back in and won the game for him. Rams beat the Panthers twenty four to ten. Seahawks-Cardinals, Seahawks, Seahawks 199. The Eagles beat the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football 26-17. Falcons beat the Niners 28-14. Now we're 3-3 three three on the season. Well, that is number two. We had the Falcons win two games this year. Patriots killed the Browns 38-15. And the Colts beat the Jaguars 34-7, 27. Vikings beat the Dolphins 24-16. And the Bengals beat the Saints 30-26. Fun! absolutely a blast we got cardinal saints on thursday night football which might be fun that can present a fun game i guess could be fun wishful thinking bills are in a bye week this week so i'm a lot less stressed out for uh for a game but they're playing the packers in week eight and i saw some of the day the bills have already opened up as an eight point eight and a half point favorite over the packers eight and a half What if the Bills beat the Packers this game by a lot? Is this going to dock Josh Allen's MVP race votes? Because he blew out the Packers? Hmm. Weird. Josh Allen's beat Lamar and Patrick Mahomes this year. The two other people, two of the other three people competed for the MVP race this year with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. Beat both of them. Fourth quarter comebacks against both of them, both through red zone interceptions. So, yeah, come back at me when you think uh, one of them's the MEP over Josh Allen this year. I'll listen to it. I'll try not to make fun of you. (laughs) But moving over to college football, we talked about this a little bit. Iowa. Thankfully, they're on a bye week this week. It's just a damn shame that the next game that plays against Ohio State, who also had a bye week last week, which is really fun. Ohio State is a 29-point favorite over the Iowa Hawkeyes. 29. 29. And you know what? I'm not going to sit here and say that that's a bad scoreline prediction. I'm going to take Ohio State in that one. Because here's the thing. Even for the most passionate, most loyal, most never say anything negative about the Iowa Hawkins because I hurt their feelings person out there, you cannot sit here and say this is going to be a game. You can't. You can't. You can sit here and tell me how good Iowa's defense is. Iowa a top three pass defense in all of college football. I am well aware of that. The problem is you have not played an offense like Ohio State. You have not played a quarterback like C.J. Stroud. Oh, if you want to stop the pass, oh, well, they got two really talented running backs back there as well. Oh, you don't think they have a good defense? Oh, no, they have a good defense as well. They're a complete team. I said this before, I think they're the best team in college football right now. I think they are. I don't think anybody's stopping them. And I'm not docking them points because they're blowing out teams. No, they are embarrassing teams. And Iowa, for how good their defense is, I'm, I'm okay with people going with the bend but don't break mentality. I understand that. The problem is they're going to break. And the other problem is when they break, Iowa is not going to be able to score. So you've got two issues here. Inevitably, your defense is going to break. You're not going to hold back Ohio State forever. Hell, Michigan State thought they had a chance for about 10 minutes. They got the pick six, and then Ohio State proceeded to beat them 49-20. They had had them there for a tiny bit. But, man. And I'm open to me. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I absolutely hope I'm wrong. And I hope I get made fun of by my Iowa friends about this. I don't think there's a lot of Iowa. I don't really have a lot of friends that are uh, saying that they're going to win this game. Like, I remember the Michigan game a few years ago when Michigan was number two in the nation. They had Wilton Spate at quarterback going into Kenick Stadium. They were, I think they were number two, number two or three. They beat Rutgers 77 nothing. Iowa beat Rutgers 14 7. Michigan beat up on Penn State. Iowa just got ass kicked by Penn State the week before. And Iowa went on one. I understand that. I understand Iowa has won these big-time matches before in games where they were not expected to win at all or even come close to being in. But again, this is different. This Ohio State team is better than the Ohio State team by Iowa played back in whatever hell year that was. 2018 with JT Barrett. And the other big factor, I think this is a really big factor, I think it's probably uh, it's in Ohio. It's at Ohio State. I think that's really big. Thankfully, it's not a night game. Thankfully, uh, I, well, I guess. Thankfully, it's it's Fox's big noon kickoff game. Maybe they see something I don't. But Iowa's offense, like we saw it against Wisconsin with Ohio State, that's the exact same team as Iowa. You can only hope to contain it for so long because with how many weapons, they, it's not like they just have one guy. They don't even have their best receiver playing. Jackson Smith and Jigba has played, what, one game this year? Played part of another game, I think? He hasn't played. But you wouldn't know that, just looking at the receiving numbers that they have, the Stroud's passing numbers. C.J. Stroud has 24 passing touchdowns in just six games. Spencer has 21 and 25 starts. Stroud has three interceptions. C.J. Stroud has the most passing touchdowns in college football right now. Tied with 24. He threw six touchdowns against Michigan State. Seven if you include the pick six. <laughs> they beat Wisconsin 20, 52 to 21. 52 to 21. CJ Stroud had five touchdowns in that game. Ohio State or Wisconsin also had a top five defense. Wisconsin also played no one to the level of Ohio State or CJ Stroud. They played Cameron Ward. And I like Cameron Ward, but I'm sorry, Cameron Ward. You're not, uh, not C.J. Stroud. You're not C.J. Stroud, at least right now. Maybe you pass him in the NFL, but right now C.J. Stroud's the guy. C.J. Stroud's the favorite to win the Heisman right now. I don't really remember the last time Iowa played the guy to the, the – was Troy Smith, the guy up there, like a quarterback that was favored to win the Heisman when Iowa played them was that with Troy Smith. Be the last one they played back in 2006. Did they play Troy Smith when he won the Heisman? I don't remember. I remember that season. I remember they played Ohio State over during that range, but I don't remember when it was. I don't know if they played Troy Smith or not. During that Heisman season, I guess. But I'm going to try and be optimistic. I'm going to try, and I'm not succeeding. I'm not succeeding at all. But Ohio State was on a bye. I was on a bye. It was not fun. Not fun. But we did have some very, very exciting games. Week 7, I want to talk about one last. I think you know exactly which game I'm talking talk about last. We had uh, Michigan versus Penn State, which was a weird game. Weird game. It was 14-16 at halftime. Michigan was dominating literally every statistical category. Rushing numbers, first downs, every single thing you'd ask for, Michigan was killing Penn State in. It was 16-17. to And then at one point, it was 17-16 Penn State. And then Michigan was like, you know what? We're tired of playing around. Let's blow this team out of the water 141-17. 41-17. Michigan, apart from the triple option schools, might be the best running team in college football. Like, Blake Corum is balling out right now. And Donovan Edwards had a very nice game on Saturday. Michigan had 418 yards running the ball on Saturday. 418. Penn State got one first down in the first half. And that was on a Sean Clifford 62-yard touchdown run. The other touchdown came on a pick six. Like, they did not do anything to Michigan on Saturday. And Michigan just obliterated them in the second half. Then we had Utah Utah, Utah versus UC, USC. USC winning pretty much the entire game. And then Utah comes back, and then Cam Rising, the quarterback for Utah, scores a two-point conversion play to win the game by one point. Which has all but ended the Pac-12's entrance in the college football playoff. So we say RIP to the Pac-12 in the college football playoff this year. Same goes for the Big 12. LSTCU somehow makes on a run because they had a really nice win against Oklahoma State, 43-40. They're 6-0. Max Duggan balling out. Quentin Johnston, 180 yards receiving, one touchdown, playing really well. But this year is setting up for three SEC schools in the college football playoff. I think that's a reality which we could live in because... Look at the remaining schedules. So we'll talk about Alabama and Tennessee in that game in general later. Or in a little bit. But you have Alabama's lost. Alabama won't lose the rest of the regular season. Georgia and Tennessee play later in New York because they're both in the East. So let's say Tennessee loses to Georgia. Whenever that game happens, Tennessee loses to Georgia. And then Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC Championship game. Ohio State jumps up to one because they ain't losing any games in the Big Ten. Ohio State jumps up to one. Then we have a final four of Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. I think that's the reality in which we live. Because I don't think Tennessee is going to lose another game if they don't lose. To, if they don't lose to Georgia, I don't think they'll lose a game. Until the SEC Championship or something. Either way, we're going to have two SEC schools. At least two SEC schools. Big 12 and Pac-12 have already eliminated themselves. Because there's, I'm sorry. There is no way in hell... That you're convincing the College World Playoff Committee to let TCU into the College World Playoff. And they didn't do it when the playoff first started. They sure as hell ain't doing it now. I'm sorry. The time to do it was when the playoffs first started, I think, in 2014. That was the time to do it. Right now, that ship has sailed. And right now, we are looking at a possibility of three SEC schools in the the College World Playoff. So Ohio State ain't losing. And you've got to sit there and go, well, is Clemson going to be there? Is Clemson's resume, let's say if, hypothetically, Tennessee does lose to Georgia, is a one-loss Tennessee team worse than a 12-0 Clemson team? That's the reality which we got to live. Now, Clemson has beat some top 25 opponents. They'll play Syracuse this week, which I'm very excited about. 14th-ranked Syracuse. But Tennessee, after what they just did to Alabama... Like I I got I saw this stat on a uh, on Twitter. Where is it at? I found it very interesting cuz I never really thought about it. Like this it made it made sense, but I never thought about it. Alabama, okay, no no no, not that one, not that one. Uh where is it? Yeah, prior to today, Saturday, AP top 3 teams were 476 and o when scoring 49 plus points. They are now four hundred seventy six and one with Alabama losing to Tennessee. Tennessee one fifty two to forty nine. What a freaking game! What a game! What a game! And this is like right now the the Heisman is between two people. Heisman is between two people: Tenon Hooker and C J Stroud. Tenon Hooker and C J Stroud. Both are playing on real levels. I'd give the edge again. I said it earlier. I'd give the edge to Stroud. But I don't want to discredit Hendon Hooker at all. I don't want to discredit Hendon Hooker at all. Hendon Hooker has—we talked about it last year. Once Hendon Hooker got put into the starting lineup for Tennessee over Joe Milton after he got hurt against Pitt last year, I think it was again. I think that's where he got hurt. Tennessee is legit. Like I remember there was all these jokes, and I was a part of them, where Tennessee was like, "Oh, oh, they're ranked in the top twenty-five again, just to lose to Chattanooga or something like that." What was it? Who was their quarterback? JT O'Shaughnessy? Was that his name? They had some quarterback. He was number two. Or sealhouse I think that might have been his name. Shielhouse. I think that might have been him. They were consistently ranked in the top twenty five just to go seven and five, six and six, or five and seven. Why were they ranked at the top twenty? But once Hendon Hooker became there went there, that was settled. They're a legit program. Hendon Hooker is one of the best quarterbacks in college football, if not the best quarterback in college football. And one of my friends asked me, would this, is he a guaranteed top five pick right now? And the problem with that is, is a little bit of a complex answer, okay? So I'm going to explain it like this, and I'm not even sure I'm explaining it right. But this is how I'm interpreting it. I think Hendon Hooker should be drafted in the first round. I don't think that goes out, with the que- goes out of the question. Hendon Hooker's got the size, he's got the athletic ability, he's got the best deep ball in all of college football said that a thousand times this year. I think Hennon Hooker throws the best deep ball in all of college football, the most catchable deep ball in college football. The problem is the offense. The offense Tennessee runs is extremely fast-paced, extremely fast-paced. I don't know what their statistic rating is right now, but they are top ten in regards to quickest-paced offense with a time when the ref blows the whistle and they stab the ball. Fast, fast. There's no reads really involved in this. Now, Hendon Hooker has to read the defense. He's not, I'm not saying he's not reading the defense. But when you see NFL scouts, you look at some of the quarterbacks that are up there, slower-paced styles, offense is allowing him to read the defense because that's going to be one of the areas of concern when he gets drafted. How well can he read a defense? Obviously, he's throwing one interception this year, so he's doing pretty good at that. He'll beat 70% of his passes, so he's doing all right. But that is going that's the area that's kind of the concerning factor here. Like the other quarterbacks that are going to be mentioned up there in regards to the top quarterbacks in the draft. Stroud, Young, Levis, Richardson, those guys all run slower-paced offenses. I think Kentucky runs the slowest-paced offense in college football. That's what's hurting Hooker. That's it. That's the only thing that's really hurting Henning Hooker is the style of offense they play. You saw that destroys Matt Corral's draft stock last year. Matt Corral dropped all the way to third round last year because he ran an RPO-style offense with Ole Miss, who also – Run the one of the fastest offensive college football. That's the way I'm perceiving it. I don't think he'll be a top five quarterback right now. Right now, as I say here on October 18th, that could change. I think Hendon Hooker is good enough to definitely be a top five quarterback. I don't think he'll get past the likes of Stroud, Young, and Levis, but I think he can get past Richardson. And I think Richardson's insanely talented. I think Richardson is. I saw this on Twitter, so I'm stealing this, but I do. I've. Said, I've hinted at this before. I think uh, Anthony Richardson is the closest thing we have to Josh Allen in college football that we have right now. In regards to untapped potential that you can just see when it works, it works and it's beautiful. There's no one better. I Anthony Richardson is 6'4, 230 pounds, strongest arm in college football, who can also probably run a 4'440. Like, everything you want in a quarterback is Anthony Richardson. The problem is we haven't had the sustained consistency that we're looking for. But I think in regards to just stealing, you would have to probably put Richardson and Levis closer to the top just because of their how big they are versus their and their skill set. And that's no diss on Young and Stroud. I think those guys will be amazing quarterbacks in the NFL. And they'll both be top five picks. But I think where Levis and Richardson are above those two is regards to their size, mobility, and arm strength. I think they both got stronger arms than Young and Shroud. I think Young is one of the best ad-libbers in college football. His field awareness is second to none. Like, in regards to, like, there was a play against Tennessee where he rolled out to his right. The defender ran past, like, it was right behind him. He just stood on the brakes. Defender blew past him, completed the ball for a first down. How he knows the defender's right on his back hip and about to destroy him? No idea, absolutely no idea. You saw that later in the game as well. He uh, was rolling out to his left. I don't remember if this was right before halftime. It was a later touchdown. It got called for a PI in the end zone on Tennessee, which is a really controversial call. But Bryce Young rolled to his left, did like some circles around some defenders and delivered a strike. Like Bryce Young can do things that not a lot of quarterbacks can do. And the thing that hurts him a lot is how big he is. He's not very big. He's not very big. And there's another Colin Coward thing. He's always talked about how bigger quarterbacks succeed longer in the NFL. He doesn't like smaller quarterbacks. And then he just went on Twitter the other day and said, I don't know how Bryce Young doesn't go number one overall. So I, I don't. that's what I'm talking about again with the wish-wash back-and-forth takes. The walking contradiction, which sometimes these takes are. I love Bryce Young. I don't know if he'll get drafted number one, though. And then Stroud, what hurts Stroud, he doesn't run. Stroud doesn't move. Stroud's a very good athlete in regards to his pocket mobility, which is what you need. You need to be good in the pocket, but he doesn't run. He's not the biggest dude. He's 6'3", probably 215, which is a big guy. But in regards to like comparing him to Levison richardson he's not very big. And then when you got Hooker in there, Hooker can run better than Stroud can. And Stroud can move. Stroud can move. Not like blazing speed. I bet he run like a 4.7. Maybe high high 4.6. But he's not going to wow you. I think the other quarterbacks will run really good 40s. Stroud I think like a 4.7 is just an average. But for today's NFL, that's a pretty good speed for a quarterback. But that's probably their biggest issues. And then like the other quarterback, I think this quarterback draft class is extremely deep, which is what we didn't have last year. So it's going to be a really interesting battle between GMs and owners and coaches about who drafted the quarterback last year and then, wow, we should have probably waited. should have probably waited and it's gone with someone else this year. Quarterbacks that were drafted later. A lot of teams passed on quarterbacks because they knew this draft class was going to be good or drafted them later because the value was too good. Like, do we see teams like the Falcons, Titans, and Panthers draft quarterbacks? Even though they spent third round draft picks on them. The Patriots, Commanders. They drafted quarterbacks last year. But you look at the class now and you're like, man, especially a team like I don't know, like the Carolina Panthers, who might have the number one overall pick, you've got to take one of these guys. There's no way you can justify if you're the Panthers not taking one of these guys. No matter how much you like Baker, Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, whoever the hell you like, you can't justify passing on these guys. I like Matt Corral. I like Matt Corral a lot. And injuries are a bitch. But I'm sorry, Matt Corral. You're not better than any of the three quarterbacks that are going to be near the top of this class. Right now. Right now. Could be wrong in the end. Could be very wrong in the end. But that's kind of how we're not doing the whole ranking system today. So that's kind of how we're just going to do the ranking system. We're gonna ha- it'll be on Friday, so don't worry about it. It'll be out on Friday. I don't even have it typed out yet. I've got I've still got to watch some things over real quick cause I, this thing takes a while to do. It's a lot longer than what it was last year. It's a lot longer than what it was last year. Last year I'd give a little blip, but now I'm typing out more, rightly or wrongly, I'm typing out more, so it's taking a little bit longer. And when I didn't have a full weekend, like Sundays, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll type up my stuff, and then get ready for the Bills game, go to that, and then type my stuff at the end of the day. And then go into Monday, Tuesday, type stuff up then, then record, and then type up whatever else I need on uh, on Wednesday morning and post it. I didn't have that. I didn't have Saturday. I watched football on Saturday, but not as much as I would have liked to. And then Sunday I was at the game all day, tailgating, all that stuff. And then Monday, I probably could have typed it, probably should have, but just didn't really want to do anything. My voice my voice is still rallying from the game. I'm struggling now. I've talked for about an hour and a half. I'm my my voice is struggling a little bit. But we're fighting through. We're fighting through. Got a glass of water with me. But college football is just is just fun. It's fun. Football is just fun in general. I love football so much. Like we had so many good games this week. Like Levis came back this week, had a great game against Mississippi State. Gets Will Rogers. We had Syracuse beating NC State. I guess Devin Leary's out for the season, which is a big loss for NC State. Hopefully, he gets back and healthy at some point. But it was just fun. Iowa State had a controversial loss to Texas. It There was just a lot of really, really good football this past weekend. Really good football. And then we had, like, you know, you and I bounced back. You and I needed to win against Utah Tech. They got it. That's what you want. That's what you want. We had BYU losing in Arkansas, which kind of sucked. I was cheering for BYU, but yeah, I think I'm gonna. Tr- I think I'm gonna end it there. I think I'm gonna end this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here, and then we'll come back on Friday. We'll have the quarterback preview on Friday, and then we will also because it will be exactly one month till the 2022 Winter World Cup in Qatar. We will have our United States squad official squad prediction for the 2022 world cup because it's a month away and I want to get my squad prediction out before Greg decides to release a squad makes sense hope it does (laughs) if it doesn't I'm sorry but yeah that's all we've got for you today I do hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did enjoy the Chiefs-Bills game on Sunday it's fun fun show fun game everything fun 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 Hopefully my voice recovered completely by the time we do the show on Friday. With that being said, make sure you're following Logan Blanchard on every single form of social media. But most importantly, make sure you're following on the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. And I will see you all later. Peace.